0: Welcome to episode one of the Church Before the Watching World special series podcast by Black Berea. My name is Israel and in this episode I sit down with Day, who is the pastor of Hackney Evangelical Reformed Church to talk about the relevance of the church in the 21st century specifically in this city of London and how it is relevant not just to the world and we speak a little bit about evangelism and the unique distinctive message of the Christian faith, but how it's relevant to Christians, how the church is an institution, elders, deacons, um, the preaching of the word on the Sunday, the sacraments, all of that, why, why the church is relevant to its members. So whether you are a Christian or not, you will learn, I hope, in this episode how the church actually has a lot of to say to you and why those things that it has to say to you are life transforming and deeply significant for your very existence. So join me and and Day in this first episode of The Church Before the Watching World. Enjoy.
1: A Christian mind is not one that is trained to think only about Christian topics. It is a mind that has learned to think about everything from a Christian Perspective. Christianity provides a comprehensive view of the world. Christianity is a worldview. Worldviews
0: are the grids, they are the lenses through which we frame all of reality. Hey, this is Israel, and you're listening to the first episode of the BlackBreer series, The Church Before the Watching World. In this episode, I'm joined with Kende Omatayo, who is a pastor at Evangelical Reformed Church, Hackney. Thank you for coming here, Kende. <laughs> <laughs> what are you looking at me for? Hackney Evangelical Reformed
1: Church, my like youth. Has it officially switched? Yeah. Wow. <laughs>
0: <laughs>
1: Kende is
0: a pastor of Hackney Evangelical reformed church hersey hook hook oh wow <laughs> okay second blunder okay,
1: <laughs> hersey, you know. like chocolate, okay. <laughs> yeah actually i see that <laughs>
0: um yeah thank you <laughs> for coming um really appreciate it and glad you're here
1: thank you for having me brother israel
0: gondi mm-hmm. as some of you might know OM was on blackbria for the social justice conversation yeah. with ryan burton yeah and yannick Christa, Christos Wahab as well which was a really awesome episode i so was are glad to have him here again mm. uh, let's just start with introducing yourself so who are you and how did God lead you to come into this position as being pastor of Hackney Evangelical
1: Reformed Church? Yeah. Well yeah I'm yeah as I said already my name is Ken Matayo um, so I'm the currently the pastor at the uh, full-time elder at Hackney Evangelical Reformed Church I've been so for about uh, 3 years, about 3 mm. years. But I've been been at the local church here for 9 years. Wow. Um so how did I how did God lead me to be um pastor here? So yeah, about 9 years ago, um I visited the church because I was uh just seeking to find reform ministry somewhere. Mm-hmm. So just a year before, i had come across reform theology. Uh, I wanted to know what reform church was like. Um, at the time, I was <clears throat> leading a Bible study under my dad's church. My dad's a pastor hmm. of a, hmm. a Pentecostal church That's here. So, <laughs> so yeah, I was leading a, a Bible study there, which, you know, God God blessed. I mean, we had about 30 young people regularly. Now, mm-hmm. obviously, uh, in, in, in the grand scheme of things, it might not seem so large. But at the time, mm-hmm. in my dad's living room, having so many young people, so, you know, it was almost like we witnessed a move of the Spirit and then, uh, I became convinced of reform theology. So was seeking reform ministry, uh, and a friend of mine, uh, Douglas Kofi do hence some of you might know him, mm-hmm. um, he um let me know that Joe Beakey was preaching here and I'd known of Joe Beakey's ministry. So I visited there visited then, uh visited the time and when we got here, it was only it was pretty much a, a church full of older all the Christians and all the generation who had been here for a long time, faithful mm-hmm. generation, but they had been praying for, um, God to add, mm-hmm. um, young people to the church. And when I visited with the, with the guys I, I, I used to do the Bible study with, I was visiting with about you know, 15, 20 young people. So that was just like an instant blessing. Um, and then, yeah, we, we, we felt comfortable here. We were encouraged by the ministry. So we stayed, um, and at the time there just wasn't no um there was no uh there was no uh full time ministry. Um uh the elder at the time who's passed away Eastern House, mm-hmm. he he was a part time elder, but he he'd just rotate preachers week in, week out, so he'd get visiting preachers, uh, to just take a Lord's Day. That's how they'd been doing stuff for uh close to Thirty years, really, because mm. the uh, the the founding pastor had passed away, uh, but they, they 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 sensed that an elder house, especially, sensed that there was a call call to ministry. So he encouraged me to do that, encouraged me to go to go to seminary. So I went to London Seminary, studied there for two years, um, and whilst I was studying there, um, kept on having opportunities to teach at the church, and it wasn't hard to be honest because we just didn't mm. have preachers. We didn't have preachers. Uh, we, it was hard to keep outsourcing preachers for Tuesday. And um, so I just kept I kept on having preaching opportunity. And before, you know, before, almost by default, it just became a regular thing. So I was literally having something of a full-time ministry while I was in seminary. Mm-hmm. Like it happened that way. And that went on for about two years. Um, and then, um, yeah, got asked to s- serve here full-time as a teacher and then as a full-time elder. And, yeah, I've been doing that for, for two years. Wow. Mm.
0: total of nine years in the church um, Full-time for two years With like two, three years prior to that
1: Yeah, a full-time wow. preaching, yeah
0: And so you, so you mentioned joining the church Or finding out about it Because of um, Joel Beakey being invited to speak What was the life of the church prior to that? And so when you, especially when you started speaking What were you joining um, In terms of the history of the church?
1: Right, so <clears throat> um, The church itself is Churches started uh, back in the late '50s, early '60s. um, um, Predominantly black church. So, church is founded by um, migrants from the West Indies, for from Montserrat to be to be precise, small island Montserrat, and they moved moved to 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 the UK. Um, Interesting thing about the history of our church is the reason why these believers who'd moved over from the West Indies even think of starting a church is because they find it hard to be welcome into the um, the uh, established churches that were in, mm. in England at the time, in London at the time. So, you know, uh, they was really suffering racism in in the church, sadly. Mm. And so that's why eventually, you just kind of have to do, start their own congregation because they're not welcome elsewhere. They're not treated the they're not being treated the same way elsewhere. So, um, yeah, that started, um, and then. As a Pentecostal church, they were Pentecostal believers, moved from West Indies, um, years down the line, um, influenced by the ministry of Martin Lloyd-Jones at the time at Westminster, um, they shift leanings towards reformed way of thinking. And so under the leadership of Pastor Tom Chuet, who's the founding minister, and Easton Howe. So I, I never got to meet Tom Chuet, but I was mm. good friends with Easton Howe's good friend. He's my father to me, mentor everything uh amazing man i got to meet him and under their their guidance the church you know uh, embraced reform theology and re- became it was a reformed a reformed church but tom twitt passed away in 1991 and mm-hmm. i i visited for the first time in 2010 and in, in that space of time they'd never had mm-hmm. a full-time minister so elder house has been here elder Easton house, house had been here as a part-time elder uh, but that was it um so when i got here you know um they, they still a congregation was still about, I'd say fifty sixty, mm. who were regular, fairly attending regularly, um, and they were, they were still uh, receiving sound ministry because Elder house mm. was Eastern house was um, was always providing, uh, making sure that the pulpit was filled with with good preaching. Um, so yeah, that's 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 kind of what the yeah. scene when when yeah. I arrived.
0: So um, you start off, well not start off, but I I quote there was a section of the life of the church that was heavily influenced at a particular time by Martin Lloyd-Jones. And at least from my memory, my memory is not my memory, from my knowledge and study, I wasn't alive then. Mm -hmm. Um, That season, I think, for London was a very high point in terms of church life and Christian life. And I think a lot of people might view the history of the church as basically saying, you know, oh, you had this high spike with Martin Lloyd-Jones and other sort of evangelical preachers, um, like sort of post-World War, World War, post-World War, um England but then it drops and it Mm -hmm. sort of proves the growing irrelevance of um the church and of the Christian life for modern people in this in this city in particular but then you 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 said there's essentially like a there was a move of the spirit in terms of like this God bringing people into the church um and I want to jump off that point is to basically ask how do you respond to those in the church outside the church who are saying the church is increasingly becoming an irrelevant institution to our modern
1: society right um yeah it's a it's a interesting question there's there's, i guess there's various ways you can approach that you can Mm. you can you can for example just emphasize the sovereignty of god and the faithfulness of god's promise and say that you know the church in one sense can never be irrelevant you know Mm. god is going to keep the church and the church is always going to be relevant but then if you if you emphasize that to an extreme, then you might be denying the fact that although God has promised the church is, is going to be, and I agree God has promised the church to be relevant, the church can also fail in a particular generation. We, mm. we can fail as God's people to um, embrace the promise and live out the promise. So I want to, in a sense, appreciate the criticism and where it's come from. I think you mentioned the uh, the ministry of, say, Lloyd-Jones, or you mentioned what church was like in post-World War II. Um, England and I, I think we have to be honest and say we don't have the same influence we, you know we we don't right. see the same embracing of the church and if you want um, popular or secular culture so we have to reckon with why that accusation can be laid at the foot of the yeah. church in the first place and I think you have to almost accept it and say hold on is it is it that there are failings has there been failings on the part of the church that means we are actually increasingly appearing irrelevant even mm. though we know that it's God's will for us to be relevant yeah Uh, That being said, though, because God's promise backs up the church and because God's spirit works in the church, we ultimately can't be you you can't, the church is never going to be irrelevant, you know, God's Mm. always going to have his remnant, God is always going to raise his light and so I I would say that um, if the church is irrelevant it's because um, God's people maybe at some point may may be failing to uh, embrace the promise and and, and failing to commit themselves to the task Uh, but because God's promise is sure the church cannot never ultimately be irrelevant. And, um, I mean, practice, uh, for my personal experience, mm. I-, I believe I I'm, I'm, I'm part of a modern London culture and I, I'm, I'm regularly fellowshipping with Christians who are part of a modern London culture. And, you know, the church is far from being irrelevant for them. So our church, mm. our, ch- our church Sunday in Sunday out is filled with congregants who, um, they're from London, they're modern, but you know, the church has been is everything to them now and also listen increasingly I think you find that the church has so much to say to our culture mm-hmm. um, for a season it might appear to be the case that to be able to uh, appear to be that that's not the case but we just have to be we have to be patient and trust God's Word and you see how much the church has to speak to in every facet of culture and, and, and life um, I'm increasingly seeing that the church is um, it's not just relevant. It's just it's the most vital thing that vital. Uh, it has the most vital message for our culture. So, um, when I think of the gospel and the message of the gospel, um, and the the worldview that we we find in the scriptures, um, I'm increasingly convinced that there's nothing more relevant. So you just have to be very careful not to be drawn away with um, fads. There's nothing more relevant for our culture. Uh, than the gospel the gospel speaks to every aspect of ch- uh, of life and um, it's it's possible for us to hear these claims so so much and so often that we start to believe it and think oh no one wants to hear us mm. now, now in one sense I'll just say this in one sense the church might appear irre- irrelevant to the world because we are the church you know um, the, the, if they rejected the Lord Jesus Christ they rejected our master they'll reject us so at one point the church might appear irrelevant just because the world wants to reject it and we have to reckon with that but also, um, the church might appear relevant just because Satan wants us to believe those lies and say mm. you have nothing to bring to the culture mm. when actually it's not true when we, when we when we dig deep and we and we're not afraid to engage culture and engage people and we are loving we, we love people and we love sinners and we are willing to um, walk through the, the with, um, with them in the gospel we find how we, we, we soon see how, how relevant the the message of the um Gospel yeah. for the culture is, and, and I think you know certainly we're seeing that here in, in
0: mm. Um you, you said at one point you said, um, you know, we have to see that essentially the the relevance of the church is also found in, in its in its unique message that it brings. And I was thinking of um, Greg Barnson, and he has a phrase of you know essentially Christianity being the m- the most power well, has the greatest explanatory power mm. for our existence. Mm. That it not only speaks to the deepest spiritual needs but it explains our very emotional experiences, um, the life that we live and actually when we find our lives centered on that message, things fall in place Mm -hmm. and actually begin to explain how we can experience and fully live as we were designed Mm -hmm. and intended to be. Um, Well, earlier you actually mentioned something I want to to try and draw out on. You said that sometimes the church appears irrelevant because of failings on its part. Um, what do you think some of those feelings might be stated as and how do you think the church should handle slash respond to that in, in in order to actually present the beauty of um, the christian message right. to the world
1: so there's a i guess there's a number of things you, we, you could pull out I'll I'll, I'll I'll draw a couple i think one of them is the um the mixing of of tradition with and this is one that is kind of really uh I'm exp- I'm almost experiencing at the moment is the mixing of uh, tradition with the message of the gospel, mm. or being unable to see how, um, how what it means for a go- for the gospel to invade human culture, uh, and that when the gospel do- does that, it doesn't necessarily. So it does transform culture, but it doesn't rid humanity of culture, and so it doesn't rid humanity of, say if you want certain ethnic distinctions, and um, it doesn't rid humanity of a certain. Uh, cultural if you want norms and cultural practices and and that's actually an intensely biblical thing so you read the scriptures you read new testament and um you can see that paul, paul grapples with that tension he grapples with attention the and then the early church grapples with the tension of what does bringing the the gospel of jesus christ as as predominantly jewish members what does that look like for what does it look like to bring this gospel to a mm-hmm. gentile um, Gentile people and over and over again paul able, paul, paul deals with that now the, the new testament uh the apostles and New testament church aren't afraid to speak to a culture and say oh okay things that you might you might have attached to your culture are sinful you have to rid of them. you have to be rid of them they're not afraid to do that and 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 we're talking there about you know immorality and and breaking the law of God and they're not afraid to do that but they're also not afraid actually to kind of almost vehemently and ferociously defend the right that you know a culture might have to still embrace its cultural distinctions even though they've embraced the gospel so when paul's paul doesn't it, paul's okay to preach the gospel to a, a people and say to them but you don't have to take on the um cultural distinction of circumcision you don't have to do that You not take right. on that practice you can happily stay in that context uncir- uncircumcised and still trust jesus christ and paul when you think think of think of how powerfully paul um addresses circumcision you realize then that it's a big thing for Paul for for, for us not to make it seem like the gospel requires you to um, to rid yourself of, mm. of ethnic distinction I think that can be problematic so I, I think maybe sometimes a church might have been then trying to feed the world mm. um, its traditions as opposed to feeding right. it the gospel yeah. and so um, that doesn't it's the yeah. gospel that's the power of God yeah. not the church's um, uh, traditions not the churches uh pr- uh practices in one mm. sense it's, it's the gospel that's it so that could be one um,
0: thing it reminds i think there was a i remember reading at, at one point anyway um that part of the um sad reality of the colonial story of the british empire mm. was the fact that when they came on like missionary journeys you had several cases where people say, okay, you know, you guys need to become Christians, and then they'll actually change their names to mm. Christian names. They'll say, you have to straighten your hair, have to do all these things. And they brought the tradition with that, rather than saying, in the context of your present tradition, here's how the gospel speaks to you as who, as a person of who you are, and actually brings out the good of your tradition, allows you to celebrate that while still pulling against certain things. And so being able to not, you know, not mix the gospel and tradition um how has how Herc <laughs> tried to do that right or at least to show that you that what is being fed isn't tradition um while also you know being i guess affirming and critical of tradition because right, tra- tradition right. is not perfect but neither is it taught um well completely right it's not a bad thing in and of yeah. itself yeah. so how has how the church actively tried to in your in your in your case try to display that to people so that they they, they get that message
1: i mean that's an it's an interesting thing for us at, mm. at herc or h-e-r-c evil Do. uh it's an interesting for us because i think it's actually it's been a transition process type thing and we're probably still in that transition first thing that i try and say to i want to say is this is an intensely biblical thing it's not it's not just it's not it's not just because we desire we desire to be popular or we're trying to follow a fad or whatever. It's just because um, you, you want to. The, 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 the what defines the church are, are the scriptures, yeah. and um, at one level, if you deny that the gospel can be embraced by different cultures and they still and that God still blesses certain cultural traditions, you're denying the Margot Day, denying that God makes people in the image of God. So for us yeah. at HRC, I, I think I I, I I give you this. I'll tell you this so HRC is a predominantly black church Mm. but with a but it's a reformed church and historically the reformed tradition has been predominantly a European tradition Mm -hmm. if you want you know Um, and so um, we started to see that actually certain things that we associated with um, with being biblical were basically just traditions European traditions not even if you if you're thinking of reformed in the sense of a of a biblical tradition if you're making reform synonymous with um, being changed by the scriptures we're not talking about reformed traditions we're talking about European traditions Mm -hmm. and so you marry both things you say we do this because of reformed tradition but really it's European tradition and so we're in the process of being able to of trying to distinguish those things and honestly what it looks like is asking yourself if we are if our culture is if the culture of this church, even though we're in London, of course, but we we're we're, there's a, again, it's a predominantly black church in London. Uh, If that's the culture of this church, why are certain things, um, uh, uh, why are certain things uh, accepted? Why are certain things rejected? Um, Mm. Making sure we don't reject things just because, um, because they don't fall in line with a European tradition. Uh, And so, yeah, I think, just that tension itself, knowing that we are, you know, we're predominantly predominantly black church. So you have, you, you have cultures that are not, um, they, they don't come to mind immediately when you think of the reformed tradition, mm-hmm. just because of that tension, um, we're forced to have to start asking questions. And that's questions about everything, how you sing, how you pray, um, what's acceptable when you sing yeah. and pray, when you worship, um, yeah. how you communicate. And yeah, it's a, it's a process, but you're absolutely right as well. You don't just jettison all kinds of tradition. Uh, because mm. some tradition is helpful. And the peace of the church in many points is more important than sometimes, yeah, the peace of the church is more important than just holding on to tradition. Uh, but then again, the, ch- the church can't have peace if truth is not um, celebrated. Mm. So yeah, it's balancing those things.
0: Yeah. Um, thank you for those points. So, I mean, as you were speaking, I just I just really was thinking, I was like, um, as, as someone who, if someone were to stand outside, I don't know, British society I don't think you would find that many institutions at all that are willing to very critically reflect on how they can be more faithful to the to their actual standings and have that integrity to say here's how we've fallen away from our actual status quo and how we're going to work to to be faithful to that mission mm. um, and it is something that I think for me as i've seen christians um herc has been an example that i've seen i've seen other churches doing the same that has really given me a lot of joy in seeing, i mm. um, just knowing that um the christians in london are committed to um ensuring that the purity of the christian message is upheld and that it is essentially it enables all types of people and especially in this multicultural multi-ethnic multi-class community to embrace the gospel without having to be shackled by traditions or Mm. other um, rules and regulations that are not required in um, in the actual Christian faith Um, you also mentioned uh, to continue that that you there were some or not some that people have come to the church as the church is growing and by God's way people come in with challenges Um, what are some of those challenges that people have brought in um, and how is Hgrc responded to that how have you tried to do with that faithfully um and bear witness of the gospel in light of those challenges
1: do you mean challenges to the traditions of
0: uh t- specifically to the people so this can be outside of traditions this can be well. what so as people have joined what have they brought with them um right. like what questions do they have um what issues did they have what uh events occurred that you've had to you know biblically and creatively respond to um To show them the the continuing relevance of the gospel to their life
1: right um okay one of the things one of them is just the things we've mentioned as far as um wondering whether the church whether the church there's a place for them in the church Mm. if they come from backgrounds that don't are not necessarily reflected in the practices of the church um so again said you know if the reformed tradition is intensely european but people come from An African background, they might start to question if they can be, um, uh, if they can find a place in the church when the church doesn't seem to reflect their traditions and their cultures. Mm. And um, it's wanting to respond respond to people and say to them, listen, um, we're wrong to just demonize culture, so we don't want to do that and say, well, if because you come from a different cultural background, there's no place for you in the church. Mm. At the same time, balancing that, we're saying, listen, the church is a place that should be full of People from different can be followed people from different cultures and different backgrounds, and what we, we we what we do is we apply ourselves and and make every effort to you know protect the unity of the church and you know protect the peace of the church. And so you're you're trying you're trying to help people feel accept accepted in the church, show them that their um, that their their cultures can be expressed in the church within mm-hmm. within the right bound bound bounds. At the same time, let them know that that it does present complications. You're trying to when you're trying to embrace every culture Mm. it it, it presents complications so you're doing that so you're it's all it's really telling people at best that even if we're not able to display it in a kind of specific way we recognize that cultural differences can be cultural differences are of the lord and can be celebrated so you you want to give people that confidence um other other issues that people have brought into church i think increasingly in our day it's issues with mental health maybe Mm. um are challenges that people have brought the issue with mental health especially because it's just a very it's a big issue in our world today is an issue that makes christians i think have to face up to what we've been talking about so far the relevance of the of the um of the church Re- relevance of the, of the scriptures for our personal lives if the, do the scriptures have anything to say to um to mental health you know issues mm-hmm. and the world is speaking a lot people in the world is spoken a lot of and, and people are speaking a lot about it in government and uh, on, on on popular culture it's being spoken about a lot and the question is does the church have anything to say to this and if the church doesn't have anything to say to something that can really you know can really just be control a person's entire existence then mm. what's the what is the relevance of the church and so um, to that we're having to say yes absolutely the church can speak to that um, and I, I think that takes that has taken recognizing the failings of the church where it has um maybe at some point almost denied the the reality of mental health for Christians, um, denied the fact that, um, sometimes mental health just means that you require, you, you need medication and you need that kind of stuff. And, and, and being able to show people that, um, I was preaching about this the other day that, um, even with, there there could be Christians who have mental health struggles for all of their life Mm. and still find joy in Jesus Christ, Mm. find joy in him. And, 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 and and so being able to tell people that you know um actually there's no better place to deal with mental health than the church because um it's in it's in it's in the gospel of Jesus Christ that someone who struggles with mental health will be told will, will hear that actually uh, they're trusting in one who has plans to restore and redeem mm-hmm. them and um that things that are beyond their control uh it's fine for them to have to to look at their lives and see that there's things beyond their control because they know the one who does control it mm-hmm. and um, his purposes will come to pass that that's all at that point you're you're trying to show people how again it, is mental health the relevant topic of the day then the gospel is so relevant to that mm. so that's been yeah an opportunity to, yeah. to to do that yeah yeah
0: so with with regards to the mental health issue um, and those questions and challenges that people have brought how has the community of the church been able to actually help in meeting the very real needs of people who have brought different mental health issues um, with them into the church?
1: Oh, I think for us, amazingly, it's been saving the church from making the mistake that maybe many other, maybe other churches, another church could make, we would have made the same mistake of denying it. Denying that reality just because people in the church community start to tell you, listen, this is my experience too, and mm-hmm. this is what I, I've been through, this, so I know this. So community helps helps us helps the church there. So, uh, as I'm speaking about church leaders and those who have influence, because we realise, okay, this is not something that is unique to this particular Christian that are just making up. This is something that happens to other Christians. But of course, that then helps the Christians who the Christians who bring these challenges, and then see that other Christians have gone through them. Um it helps them see that one, you can be a believer and struggle with have those kind of struggles, and two that uh Christ keeps his people. Um when you see other Christians who have been through it, um, and other Christians who, who have survived through it and who are kept kept to all those struggles, then you you know, then it fills you with with hope. Um and then you just find you know, you find um you find the joy of being with with god's people mm. um the joy of being in in community with christian people and um I, for, for for so many uh, for people who struggle with mental health it's not it's not always going to be the case but um at a, at a at a point that's just going to be the the respite you get the hope you get so again you you struggle with mental health and maybe at a point you don't want to be in community, but to know that you have that community. Even when you don't want to be in community mm-hmm. is um is is a joy is a rest it's actually also it's a it's a reminder of god how God takes care of his people. God takes care of us and our weaknesses and our loneliness by showing his love in his son but in his church and by showing us his love through the Christians he places us around so um yeah I think those ways
0: that's really good thank you um following from that moving on I want to I want to ask about what it looks like for the church I guess abstractly first of all and then um, moving into uh, HERC in particular what it looks like for the church to say that we do have a relevant message and there is the church is relevant in a very specific and unique way and we want to actually show people that relevance and go out there and share it with them. Um, commonly called evangelism, mm-hmm. sharing your faith, Christian witness. Mm-hmm. And what does it look like for the church to do public Christian witness and how has um, HERC
1: actively tried to do that as well in London? Right. Um, okay, I mean, I guess there's the, there's if you want, almost the corporate organisational level where you you do things as a church with that in mind there's also the there's, there's a personal level where you just hope you you try and you equip christians to know that they have to share their faith on a daily basis um on, on that organizational level for herc a, a a significant part for us of showing that relevance to the world it has been just our our meetings our, our our regular worship meetings especially our lord's day lord's day services um, so I, I guess at that level we're just taking advantage of the fact that people still associate they associate church with a Sunday and with a sacred building uh, and you know and people will still at some level come out to a Sunday morning a morning service um so we've used that I mean and again people on one level people want to say the church doesn't have relevance but you find that People in life just experience. You, you're talking about how Christianity just gives us the meaning or explains our existence. Mm. And sometimes, you know, often in God's providence, people just have that sense of um, of emptiness or helplessness, mm. and they're asking the deep questions of mm. life, and they're going to want to. Um, they're going to want to go to this place that suggests that there's answers. And so, you know, you're telling people that we go to the, we we on a Sunday morning we go to this we go we come together with other people. And we, we we sit to listen from the Word of God where um, God speaks uh, words to us that provide um, the solution to our problems mm-hmm. that provide uh, framework that give us meaning that give us that makes help us make sense of it all and so I, I think. Just the the, the, the the Sunday services and the meetings, and I think they have they, they can have such strong influence. You're you're coming into a Sunday service and you're seeing other people just like you, and mm. uh, so hopefully we don't look like a, a cult or anything. You know, folks are dressed freely as they are, so you don't you don't feel mm. like these guys are are. are are brainwashed or whatever or they're 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 being held against their own will yeah and you see that and you see the free expression of, of, of worship of singing of praying and so on and so that can have a, a huge influence and we, we take that as an opportunity to preach the gospel and then um well for us as well though in Hackney here in Hackney um, so our demographic we are we're in a we're in Victoria Park Victoria Park and I think we're we're seeing that um, f- strangely enough the demographic or the the uh, the, the the vicinity, or well, our church doesn't make up the 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 dem demographic mm-hmm. in our vicinity. So we are, um, yeah, Hackney is increasingly, experienced gentrification, yeah. increasingly kind of middle class. Yeah, uh, you call them hipster communities or something, you know, mm-hmm. and that surrounds us. And and actually, we're we we're, we're recognizing that an approach to, approaching those kind of folks is, is 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 different maybe to how we would um, approach. Uh, the Christian, the the, the right. people who have who have uh, joined our churches, so it's actually thinking through the best way to engage mm. those kind of 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 th- those 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 folks um, who are maybe are looking at re- the whole idea of religion from a different angle and different vantage point. Yeah, mm.
0: um, I like that mention of of thinking about what it means to present the gospel to different demographics, mm. people who are in different places, and knowing that the same words aren't heard the same way by all people. Mm. And so that that means we have to contextualise even the way we witness and present. Mm-hmm. Um, how, how then has... How then do you think, and then how has um, HLC done this, how should the church um, seek to equip um, Christians for that kind of ministry? Because, you know, you have members in the church and they will then go out into the monday to friday work in central london or somewhere else in a school in south london or, or things like that and they're in again a different context which is different to where they live maybe mm-hmm. which is different to where their churches and hackney how how can they be equipped to witness the gospel to people in their home area in their work area mm-hmm. while keeping in mind that obviously these communities very very differently that their friends at work have different ideas to the neighbor down the street so on and so forth how do they, right. they meet all those challenges
1: right so i, I would say i'd say two things i'd say absolutely as you mentioned before evangelizing is often a requires some kind of contextualization you know mm. like paul says becoming all things to all men just recognizing that but I think even I think prior to that though, evangelism is a heart movement. It's it's an, mm. it's an issue of the heart. And I think I think for many Christians, yes, we don't evangelize maybe because we don't feel equipped. And also we're not going to evangelize effectively if we're not equipped. But I think maybe for most Christians we don't evangelize because of issues of the heart. And we so the first thing I think the church has to do is just strengthen the heart of believers to evangelize. So show them the reason why we evangelize, the importance of it the the uh, kind of the ground of evangelizing. So the grounds of our evangelizing is that we are uh, we're witnessing to the glory of the living God in Jesus Christ, but that that Jesus Christ is King of heaven and enough, and He sends mm-hmm. us out, and it's His gospel, and His gospel, you know. So we're showing them the importance of the message, you know, the the meaning of of the of the gospel, its relevance, um, especially showing them eternal things, how, you know, you're dealing with men and women having to stand before God in judgment and so the so so we we have to just be we have to recover and keep recovering and reminding ourselves of the greatness of the gospel Mm. it's it's urgency because Jesus Christ the next big thing on God's agenda is the return of his son so there's an Mm. urgency to that so it's a heart issue first and we just have to you know we have to work on the heart by faithful preaching it's all over the scriptures um and then and then reminding people so yeah reminding people that they have the the power of God is in the gospel, yeah. so there's so much power in what we do, uh, and also not to, to making sure that we're not ashamed of Jesus Christ, so um, that we're not ashamed to it can you know to to try and build those relationships that yeah. require um, that that are required if we're going to share the gospel effectively, uh, we're not ashamed to have, you know maybe some have to go through rejection, uh, ashamed to maybe have to be ostracized, that can all that can happen, mm. but you know um, we sing a hymn sometimes here that's called a say Jesus and shall it ever be a mortal man, ashamed of thee, ashamed of thee, whom angels praise, whose glory shines through endless days. There's nothing to be ashamed of in Jesus Christ. Uh, mm-hmm. Paul's, Paul reverses that and says, you know, he's boasters in the gospel. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Is what I boast in. So we want to make sure that Christians are not ashamed of that, and then we want to be on. But we also want to address the fears that Christians have, and I agree with that. As far as just letting them, letting Christians know that, and our members know that. Listen, we re- realize the difficulties. Um, you do have to be equipped because who knows who you're going to come across in in, in your day-to-day living. And, and Christians have all kinds of... We meet all kinds of people. Some folks from a religious background that we yeah. have to... And then we have to re- address that. Some folks are irreligious and uh, come from a more, if you want, secular background. We have to be equipped to address that. And so, yes, you want to work on the heart, but if a Christian has the right heart and they're bold and they're courageous, but he feel ill-equipped, mm-hmm. then that could also be a hindrance. And so... Um, yeah it's providing thankfully there's 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 enough voices in the church and Mm. people uh, different teachers of the word who address these different um the different kind of uh contexts that christians have to speak to and it's about working to uh inform christians of those and you know apologetics is one thing Mm. that would help christians um and then but but also just Engaging, you know, I don't know, you know, prevailing thoughts of of of, of a present day culture, showing how certain worldviews are are to be addressed, are addressed by the scriptures, where the worldview that you know the worldview that unbelievers come with, non-believers come with, shows showing showing Christians um, the the flaws in those, if you want, and how the Christian worldview actually responds to that. Um, yeah, so we have to be faithful in dealing with the heart of believers and just showing them the, the wonder of, of the gospel and mm-hmm. the call we have to share the gospel, but also we have to um, equip them how to do the practical day-to-day work. Mm.
0: So tying all of that together with um, the conversation about the relevance of the church, essentially before The Watching World, I want to just close with asking you um, to give some resources for three categories of people. So Christian leaders who are pastors who are um, leading congregations, what what would you what resources would you point them to in in order to think about evangelism, the relevance of the church, and essentially equipping them and con- and allowing them to continually faithfully do their work. Second category, lay Christians, the ordinary Christian who has a ordinary job Monday nine to five, who's also thinking, yes, I want to evangelize, I want to be able to um, be a witness before the watching world of what the Christian message has to offer. What resources would you give them and also what resources would you give people who aren't Christians someone's listen to this episode they're not a Christian they have questions about the church um, they're wondering about the relevance of the church um, they're skeptical about the Christian message what resources would you give them to think about this topic as well so the Christian leader the lay Christian and the non-christian
1: all right um, okay so for the Christian leader um, uh, book by Jay Packer hmm. evangelism and sovereignty of God just because uh, Paca helps you think through um, how, again, the grounds for evangelizing, and how, first of all, the fact that God is in control of salvation and everything mm. it doesn't preclude evangelism on our part. It necessitates, it necessitates it. You know, because God is sovereign, we should preach the gospel, and I think um, the the people are only going to be as evangelistic in their endeavor as the the leaders are as the mm. leaders communicate the you know the the, the a leader's zeal for evangelism will be infectious almost so yeah i recommend that book recommend for um uh for the lay person who wants to evangelize two things say uh the prodigal god by tim keller mm. just because it's a s- simple plain reading of what the gospel is—it's—he's uh he's going through the story by a, of uh, going through the prodigal son, called it the prodigal God—but um, he's just a, a clear, concise explanation of what the gospel is. Yeah. I think that we, when we grasp the gospel, the wonder of the gospel, the wonder of God's grace, um, we will be will be encouraged to um, to share that message. Now, most Christians know the gospel, uh, but then again being able to articulate is one thing. So I think cause Tim Keller articulates it so, so well, so clearly, mm. so simply mm. Christian digests that. And hopefully we feel more encouraged and equipped to share the gospel with others. And another book by uh, Mark Dever, uh, the gospel and personal uh, evangelism. That's a, that's a, that's a good book. Um, and um, Mark Deva is very practical. I'm yeah. uh, very convinced of the need for us to do interpersonal day to day evangelizing. So those two books for the uh, layperson, and for the skeptic, um a classic c.s lewis mere christianity Mm. um that's a good book to read um uh he's c.s lewis is really uh, engaging um the skeptics worldview and i I think he gets to the essence of why the he he shows us why the christian worldview is is relevant so all all, all through the book you're reading um c.s lewis apply um the paradigm of God's work and redemption really to the day-to-day skeptical question, sorry, question of the skeptic. And he's showing you why um, the things you think um, are kind, the things you think, uh, um, are, um, the things that make you question Christianity and make you question its relevance actually um, find their only, their, the true answer in the in the gospel itself. So I think Christianity mm-hmm. is helpful. Um, and also, uh, again, Tim Keller, just because he's easy to read, The Reason for God. Uh, and I read that rather recently. Again, um, that's for the skeptic. Um, Tim Keller is easy to read. So um, C.S. Lewis is, is easy to read too, but Tim mm. Keller just a bit easier. Yeah, so I recommend those books. Thank you so much.
0: Yeah. And that concludes the first episode of The Church Before the Watching World the Black Blackberry original series. <laughs>